0: This is Stacks and the City, the podcast about getting this money and achieving financial independence by any means necessary, and this is episode 17, CEO Spotlight featuring Andre Albritton of The Millennial Next Door. Let's get started. everybody. Welcome to another fabulous episode of Sex and the City. I'm your host Ashley. Hey y'all I'm so glad to be here with yet another phenomenal CEO Spotlight. Today we are featuring Mr. Andre Albritton of The Millennial Next Door. What I love about him is that he created this platform where he discusses money issues with Gen well, Gen Z, and I guess we're formerly Gen Y, y'all, millennials, as they like to call us, and how we f- handle our finances. And there's some points that I really want to hone in on and highlight while you listen to the interview. I thought it was phenomenal, fantastic. Uh, definitely talks about a little about millionaires and where they come from, our perception of millionaires versus the alleged true perception What financially conscious thinking is, what that looks like, and how applying this very simple principle can completely change the way that you interpret your money and handle your finances. A zombie. So apparently zombies is not a cranberry song. And it's not something that you see in The Walking Dead. Apparently it's a financial term that he's coined. We'll talk about that. Uh, The importance of college. What debt looks like. It's funny, I think that we do have a slightly different interpretation of what good debt and bad debt is. I think all debt is bad, especially debt that you can't pay back. It's bad. If you can't pay back your debt, it's bad because you owe it and you ain't got it. You still ain't got it. Um, the debt snowball, we talked a little bit about that. You all, honestly, Dave Ramsey is mecca. He is the epiphany of the guru when it comes to getting this money right. So... I highly recommend you subscribe to his podcast. Listen to his teachings. Y'all, he is tough. But y'all can't get the money right if you ain't get a little tough love in there, y'all. He gonna give you some tough love. Andre also quotes him on helping him get his money right and helping others get their money right. And the most important thing, perhaps the most important you all, is literally living below your means. Do we know what that means? It means if you make $50,000 a year... What after tax, you gonna spend pff, 30. Oh, that sounds hard, y'all. You can make it happen. Trust, trust me. It's not a mentira. Anywho, I'm done talking for now. Um, without further ado, it's gonna be Mr. Andre Albritton of The Millennial Next Door. Hello, everybody.
1: Good morning. It's another fabulous Wednesday, and I want to welcome you all again for tuning into Stacks and the City. And again, you all, I have a new CEO spotlight. I have Mr. Andre Albritton. Did I say that correctly?
2: You did. You're good.
1: Yes. Phonetics on point. I have Andre Albritton here, who is known as the millennial next door. I wonder where that name comes from. Hmm. Here today. (laughs) How are you?
2: I'm well, and, no. first let me thank you for pronouncing my name right. (laughs) The phonetics are on point. Most of the time people call me Albatron or something, Mm. like I'm a transformer. Oh, no. And, you know, you all probably already credit. Probably know my name. from comes from the book, the amazing book, The Millionaire Next Door. And that's what, you know, really inspired me, kind of giving up and moving. And it was just such a good pun.
1: So you, yes, so... On your social media on your website you are indeed the millennial next door tell me a little bit about this name tell me about where it like where it transcribed what I know it's a book and if everybody doesn't know it is a book it's a really great book that I know I I definitely recommend tell me why this book is the reason why you decided to start uh, a way of helping people manage their finances
2: well uh, from the book in The Millionaire Next Door, it just talks about your average millionaire. And for us, especially in today's society, where we have like the Kardashians on TV 24-7, yes, we think that's how a millionaire really looks like. So when we get yeah. that money, say, so okay, well, I'm a millionaire now. I'm supposed to have a new Mercedes-Benz. I'm supposed to have a huge house. I'm supposed to be partying off every single club. But the actuality of it all is that a millionaire is like really, really boring. They're usually usually working in construction. Yeah. I mean, they work in construction. They do plumbing. Oftentimes, Uh they do a lot of the dirty work, and they're just able to maximize off of that. And they live live very calm lives. They have, like, a Honda Civic. They're not driving no Ferrari, as you might think. You know, so that's what got me into the book, because I felt betrayed at that point. Uh Because I thought I've been seeing the millionaires the whole time, and I haven't. So I was like, okay, I got to tell people about this now.
1: (laughs) So you're telling me that according to this book, according to your inspiration for your platform, that millionaires are plumbers and contractors, they're not they're not good, people necessarily. Yep, yeah,
2: a good majority.
1: How I don't understand how how are they able to build wealth? How are they able to build that type of wealth?
2: Well, the way I think about it is my recent experiences with finding a yard person. So me and my wife, we moved into a house uh, sometime last year in January and we wanted our yard done. We could not find any help for the life of us. I mean, we went through about a good five to six people. So you have to think that those type of people, people like us who are looking to get some things done, especially some dirty things you know, like with your plumbing or your septic tanks or your roof, there's not a lot of good businesses out there. So to my I, from what I've seen is when there's a good business people are willing to pay top dollar for that It's not a lot of competition. They have to face honestly hmm. Because I mean it's not many people who kind of get out of college or get out of high school and say hey I want to start working on toilets." that doesn't happen So these people they're able to maximize off a business that no one else wants to do basically but it's still now, not- I think it's ingenious
1: Tell me a little bit about your relationship with money and what inspired you to start The Millennial Next Door?
2: So my relationship with money, um, I think the nice way to put it is I was frugal. So um, pretty much throughout my whole life, I would get money, put in my little piggy bank. And as I grew up, I got into a checking account. And when I see something I liked. Most of the time, it's just like something technology. I'll take everything out and then I'll buy it. So at that time, I didn't know it, but I was really helping myself with my money relationship just by saving up for items. You know, not taking out a loan, not using a credit card, but just saving up my own money. So at the time I was learning these lessons, I had no idea I was even doing it. Interesting. But my relationship with my money, I feel like I'm at a good point. (laughs) So I do a lot of financially conscious thinking. And uh, what I mean by that is, I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I was like, what does that mean?
2: So financially conscious thinking is just how it sounds like. So imagine you're getting an Uber and Uber has like three different options nowadays. You can do an Uber X, you can do a pull Uber, or you can walk to the Uber. I think they recently unleashed a premium Uber. So if i want to travel yeah. in a nice car, you can do that too. But no, it's just thinking just like that. So you say, okay, I'm taking the Uber. I'm going to spend some money here. How much do I want to spend? Do I want to spend the top for a premium ride? Do I want to spend a little bit just to be by myself? Do I want to go in to pull some other people, sacrifice a little bit more time, but save some more money, or do I just want to put on my shoes and get to walking?
1: Hmm.
2: So that's financially conscious thinking, you're not just spending it, you're not just, saying, okay, I'm going to get the premium just because I feel like I deserve it today. Hmm. You know, you're actually thinking about it, you know, even if you do get like the premium, you've still thought about your finances and that's all it takes you know it's just like a few seconds of thinking between each transaction
1: Got it. each
2: time you think about saving, each time you think about investing just saying hey does this correlate with my goals i mean if you just do that you're going to be ahead of the curve by a long shot because so most of the times people kind of like zombies with their money
1: oh wait what are zombies
2: so a zombie i would say is probably your average american that honestly can't afford a $1,000 emergency. Mm. So with that, they kind of go about the American dream. They buy the house. They buy the car. They put the kids into a good school. You know, it's just keep shelling out money. You keep shelling out money. You don't think about yourself. And then, unfortunately, when you get to the point where you might be thinking about retirement, you're kind of around age 40. And not not necessarily that's too late in the game for you, it's just that if you would have started sooner, you could take taken advantage of the eighth one of the world, compound interest, and that would have been able to help your money grow even faster and give more to yourself.
1: So essentially, what you practice is this this idea of conscious thinking with all, with not just with Ubers, but with every facet of your your life. Because essentially, you do exchange money to live a certain type of life. So whether it be the food that you eat, or where you go out, or how you go to sleep, or the, what you buy to brush your teeth with, you're, you're thinking, you're pausing before you purchase.
2: Absolutely, that's 100% correct. That, that's it right there.
1: And you're telling me that if you're able to, to just think about what you buy before you actually purchase, it will help you in terms of saving your money or being a little bit more conscious of your finances.
2: Oh, yeah, 100%. You know, when I go to the store and I'm looking at two things, if I'm not thinking financially, I'm just going to grab the one that looks the brightest. Good. And usually those things are kind of the most expensive ones, too, and they're kind of priced right where your eye level is. So they put them there on purpose, and they want to return for those items. So they usually charge more for that. But no, I mean, if you don't think financially, then you're going to look at that bright item, you're going to put it in your shopping cart, and you're going to go about your day. You think financially conscious, and you look at that, and then you happen to look down. You happen to look to the sides of it. You're able to kind of see the bigger picture and see what else is available. So, I mean, that goes for any type of financial transaction you ever do. I mean, from buying some cereal to buying a house.
1: So, from cereal to houses, (laughs) y'all just practice this. It's funny. It's awesome. So, tell me a little bit about why you decided to start this platform. So, to me. You're, vol- you're pretty good. You've been pretty solid with your money. You've been pretty understanding about your money. Why, why extend your hand and help those who, who may need more assistance?
2: Well, um, when I first got started, um, I don't think most people know this, but I got this blog started in 2016. I was studying for a certified financial planner because right. I thought that's where I wanted to be at the time because I was yeah, pretty I'm much new, pretty new, new to money. Time. At the time, I was in insurance. So, I mean, I've been working with State Farm. I worked with some progressive. So, it was like six years deep into insurance. And, you know, it's good money because kind of someone, no one else wants to do those jobs. (laughs) But it wasn't something I was very happy about. You know, I'll just kind of come home, watch HDTV and eat and be back at the job. There's like no passion there. So, I realized I do like to talk about money. Because I like to talk about my own finances, this
1: money,
2: and then I happened to stumble upon the Certified Financial Planner role. So I was starting to study for that, and I said, "Hey, some people might like to know more about this information as I'm studying it." So I started putting it out there, and yeah, the blog did way better than I thought. Because I thought it'd be like maybe family friends looking at it every now and then. Mm-hmm. You know how your family are? They say, "Oh, he's Do doing support? that. That's good. That's good." Yeah. But no, it ended up doing much better. Uh, I had to take like a hiatus to work another financial job, but I just started to back up. And so I'm happy that everyone's still very excited for the information because people really want to learn more about their money. They want to be able to take control of it and say, hey, I can do this now, yeah. and I can be, live a happier life.
1: And that's what made you want to start it.
2: Yes, that's exactly it. Because so I really just want to help people out, because I do believe money does create happiness when you use it properly. Absolutely. Because, um, yeah, I mean, if I have more money, that means I don't have to work a certain job I don't like.
1: Mm.
2: But what happens is people's money kind of gets lost through the mm. whole life transitions. So then you find out you're making more money, but you haven't been using it properly because you're not really thinking about it.
1: Mm. So you, So this platform, I know it comprises of a blog, and I think you also do some like coaching services how else have you been able to benefit those who do need help with their money? What are you, what, what are you essentially teaching them?
2: So I uh, actually just started up something new. So it's my YouTube page. I'm hoping that this is going to be a launching point. So as, I, it, gathers, so as it gathers more interest, more views, subscribers, I'll be able to say to a sponsor, like, hey, all these people are interested in this. They want to learn more about money. Will you sponsor me to go out to those schools to teach them? Because um, I'm originally graduated from Florida a University. So it's kind of my ultimate goal this year or next year to do an HBCU money tour. Now, with that, it requires money. It requires logistics. And, of course, I want to be paid for my time. And what I found, at least already, already by now, is that people who want to learn about money, they don't tend to necessarily want to spend on money start to think, how can I still get the message out there, still get compensated and reach as many people as possible? So that's when the sponsors will be able to come into play and I'll be able to go to each HBCU teaching freshmen to seniors about money. I mean, that's, that's my ultimate goal. Okay. I want to help those out closest to me.
1: So you think it starts young, younger?
2: Yes. I mean, um, just from my own experiences, my mom she gave me my brother's checking account. You know, I'm not so remember, but you remember those, like, old checkbooks? You know, kind of yeah. put in each number that would happen so you can keep track?
1: Yeah, balance the checkbook.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's what we started out with, and it helped. It just made me think more about money. So, like I said, I mean, if you're thinking about it, being financially conscious about your moves, it's going to improve you regardless. Hmm. Huh.
1: So I know you have you talk about college students and I think college students are they're emerging in a completely different generation from you and I, which is all good. Shout outs shout outs to my college freshmen. What, <laughs> what are the differences between the way that this younger generation handles their money versus the way the older generation or the millennials handle money?
2: With them, um, Gen Z, aka Centennials is Still a little bit too early to see. Mm-hmm. So, from their age group, I think the oldest ones are going to be about 22. So, you know, they're kind of graduating college. And at this point in their life, they're going to actually see what it feels like to pay the student loans. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, they have heard us complain about it. And they probably heard the parents kind of complain that we complain about, you know, us millennials complain about student loans. Now, my guess is. That this next generation, they'll become more financially savvy than any other generation.
1: Why is that? So
2: they'll use oh, so they'll use to finding things on Google, right? Mm -hmm. They say, okay, how do I manage my money? They just Google it automatically. Mm -hmm. I know some kids who are like age ten; they are googling how to do their homework. They are go getters, do it yourselfers. So when they get to their money, they're gonna be able to Google this stuff easily. So I think they're gonna be after better start than millennials. And mainly just because they kind of heard us kind of complain about, you know, paying bills, paying down student loans, saying, oh, this wasn't what we were promised. So I think they're going to be better off. But, you know, like I said, it's still kind of too early to see. But, I mean, just from what I've seen so far, they seem to be more hands-on with their finances already by a long shot.
1: So you think essentially because they have grown up in the information age, they will automatically know to take the incentive of the initiatives to figure out how to handle their money if they weren't taught those things growing up. That's interesting.
2: Oh yeah, and you know, it just makes sense because at yeah. the time when we were kind of getting out of college, we didn't really know that there were actually money blogs out there like like people yeah. like me, we didn't know. Yeah, yeah And yeah. these kids, they are growing up around it.
1: Yeah, that's true. So there's just information everywhere and it's completely 120% accessible.
2: Yeah, exactly. So, no, I think they're going to be able to take advantage of it.
1: I like to hear That's good to know. I see y'all, young folk. We see y'all. It's debt month on Stacks in the City. We're talking about acquiring debt, paying back debt. Tell me a little bit about your interpretations and your relationship with debt.
2: Now, my view of debt is simply it is a tool. So, just imagine that as a hammer, right? Cool. Now, with that hammer, you can say, hey, I'm going to build myself a strong house, or you can say, I'm going to just start throwing it around and just mess it up. So essentially, debt can help you in many, many ways, kind of like a student loan. Now, some people say it's not worth to go to college because you can't find a job. I mean, my standpoint is that it's ultimately worth to go into a college debt because if you don't have that degree, you limit yourself exponentially. I mean, you can be making six figures with a college degree. With a high school degree, you'll be lucky to be making around 40000 You know, a few thousand dollars, as you know, that can change your trajectory in your life. I mean, just by so much.
1: Absolutely. Now,
2: there's also other bad debt. So, I consider consumer debt, I consider that bad debt. So, you know, your credit cards, auto loan my arch nemesis, Payday Loans. Uh I hate those guys so freaking much. What are Payday Loans? Payday Loans is like a spawn of Satan himself, I promise you. Uh But no, it's like, to me, it seems to be predatory lending because you often find them in low-income areas and basically you kind of go in and say, hey, I need an advance, I need this loan for this, or blah, 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 and they give you the money, but that money kind of comes with the a high interest
1: rate. Mm. I think the
2: highest they can go is about 400%, which what? should be. Yes, that's the highest they can go. So, no, that's why I hate payday loans. I mean, I shout them out in some of my Instagram videos just to say, I hate you guys. Mm-hmm. They haven't responded back yet. So, I know, I'm still waiting on it. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. So, say no to payday loans. Say no.
2: Always say no. There's always another way. But, yeah, uh, so for the debt, at least with my personal use, Mm -hmm. I would like to use it to buy homes and take advantage of, you know, anything like that. Because at the end of the day, I cannot buy a house in cash, at least not at this point in my life.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. So I know the big craze is going debt free. You know, thanks to Dave Ramsey.
1: Yeah. Funny
2: enough. Yeah. I mean, I like Dave. And me and my wife, we started out on him. But I would say if you're trying to become, you know, wealthy, or trying to pass some things down to your children, you're going to use debt some way or another unless you just come from money. So, I mean, if you have $150,000 sitting in cash in your checking account, first off, you probably need to do something with that money, so it shouldn't just be sitting there. But yeah, if you have that much money in your checking account, you probably don't need to use debt paying cash if you're a regular person like myself where well, you have a little bit you can get a down payment but you can't get everything in the full you know you can either wait two to three or maybe even more years depending on how much you make and can save or you can get the debt into a good market and be able to take advantage of it
1: interesting okay so what are some advice that you have for people to pay off some of this quote-unquote bad debt what if i'm a what about a person who wants I just graduated and I want to pay my debt off before I'm 22 or sorry, 30. I'm 22 and I want to pay my debt before I'm 30 or I, I racked up all this consumer debt now, or I decided to go back to grad school and I'm 25 and I have an additional $30,000 in loans.
2: Mm, now that, that's a very good question. <laughs> and it's just so many people out there who have that same question. Absolutely. But yeah, I mean the ultimate answer I have for you is follow the debt snowball. If someone is serious about paying off their debt, Mm -hmm. follow that debt snowball. And essentially what it is, uh, essentially what the debt snowball is, is let's say you have four loans, right? So you have your four loans, and what you're going to do is you're going to pay off the first loan with the lowest balance. So once you get that loan done, that same payment that you make on that first loan, you're going to roll that into the second loan with the second lowest balance. Then you're going to roll that all into the third. Then you're going to roll it on to the last one. And what that does is it does two major things. One, it gets you some quick wins because you're paying off the those balances. So now you're going to feel good about yourself. So, oh, I paid off the first one. I paid off the second one. I can do this. You know, it's real good for your motivation.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And the second reason is that when you are doing that debt snowball, you are using some laser focus right there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, when you are focusing on one debt, oh, it's going to get done. I mean, if you have enough income at the end of the day, enough um, margin, what I like to call it, and the margin is your income minus your expenses, if you throw everything you have at the end of the month towards debt, it'll be out of there in no time. I mean, you're going to be what they want you to do by a long shot.
1: So, essentially, it's just telling, saying, you know, like, start small, like, start with that small balance, and then – gradually work your way up if you're serious about paying off your debt your loans
2: yeah exactly okay so i know for um, me my wife we did that we got to start we got a lot of things out of um, collections at the time because we were broke Mm -hmm. we didn't know what we were essentially doing as a team Mm -hmm. yeah once we start on the debt snowball we're able to get a lot of things out and then we kind of stopped you know on the big ones like a house and stuff because we're not trying to be like completely debt free but no i mean forget that consumer debt it worked like a charm
1: Really so it's interesting that you all are you know you got you are married which is amazing congratulations and uh, thank you you did note that there there does seem to be a difference between managing your money as a single guy or even as a single in general versus managing your money as a team in a unit. what happens when you marry somebody financially what does that look like
2: uh, you know everyone's gonna be different. But I think it would imagine it would look like just this big blob, like you guys are just kind of looking at it, and you don't know what to do about it exactly. So depending on the couple, some people, they'll address the blob in the room. They're going to say, hey, what is that? What do we do with it? What does it taste like? Blah, blah, blah. And then I know some other couples who they don't do anything with that blob, You know, and that blob just signifies what your finances should be when you're married. So wait, some people, some people about, who some
1: people don't talk about their finances at all before they get married. Is that what you're saying? Oh my gosh! <laughs> I, I lit, my heart nope. just started palpitating.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Actually, is I mean it shocked me as well because oh, I didn't God. know. For me, and my wife, when we first got together, we just put things up together. Really When we lived together, even before we got married, you know, we had one checking account, and then we had a separate account for each other. So we have ten percent my check 10 percent from her check to her account so you know when she spends money i can't say nothing anymore and (laughs) vice versa for me right but no i mean uh, there's a lot of couples out there who still handle bills separately and it just seems like a more of a rooming situation now through my experience of talking with people in those types of situations often stems to something a little bit deeper you know it might be like their parent didn't have their own funds when a divorce happened so that's why they like to keep money separate for whatever reason or some people just don't talk about the debt to their spouse you know some people are still embarrassed about it even though we shouldn't be but that's just how our society is
1: that so i'm not married so i guess i thought that with marriage is literally you're marrying things you're merging everything you merge um habitation spaces you merge your commitment to each other, you merge, you know, I don't know, you're supposed mercy. <laughs> I don't know, right? So I, I find it crazy. Yeah. Would you suggest people to talk about their finances or to have some type of system or what? how does this how does uh, work?
2: Yes, uh, it's
1: complicated. I mean,
2: a hundred percent, you guys need to talk about your finances because you guys are literally a team. Now, first one, I'm going to use basketball because I love basketball. My favorite team is the Orlando Magic, even though they kind of suck right now. <laughs> but, no, imagine the Orlando Magic playing together, and they all just keep playing their own game. Now, they're going to lose that game by a lot of points now because they're not on the same page. They don't know what the other one is doing, and they're not acting like a team. Mm. And, you know, the same goes for your marriage. And, and, you know, hopefully someone stays together forever and ever. And when you get down to your retirement, your spouse might say, oh, I only have 10,000 saved up and, you know, it's kind of both of you guys fault because it was never discussed how much should be saved for retirement. What do you guys want to do for your retirement? And then, you know, the other person's looking at the wife or husband saying, well, I got my 80,000 saved up and just kind of looking at each other saying, how do we fix this now? So no, the better the finances are talked about, the easier it gets. And, you know, just thinking about, um, how we started talking about our finances, we would just listen to that debt snowball by Dave Ramsey. We decided we're going to finally get serious. And then that's when we started lining everything out. And that's probably the best move we could have ever done because it was all out in the open. She had debt. I had debt. We put it all together, got a plan together, and we just started moving together. I mean, just moving as one.
1: That is wild. Okay. Wow, so communication is really important as with everything else, and just being upfront about It's never as, I, I honestly, I never think it's as bad as you think it is. If you just look, it's, bad, no, it's, it's not that bad.
2: It's you bad. know, um, I have a lot of people tell me, you know, those situations, and that's what I always saying, Oh, that's not that bad. I mean, the worst part is just telling somebody for the first time. After that, it gets old. We all have debt.
1: <laughs> Amen to that. Awesome. Wow. Well, Andre, do you have any last parting words, any like gems of financial advice that you want to share?
2: Oh, there are so many, Ashley. <laughs> um,
1: hmm.
2: You know, I always say this much. When anyone is trying to go out on their own, especially for Gen Z coming up here, live below your means at all times.
1: Hmm.
2: If you make uh, six figures, I don't care if you make a million dollars, Live below your means because you're always going to have some type of oh shit moment. So you want to make sure your lifestyle is not at the tip top of your income because when that oh shit happens, everything comes toppling down like a domino effect. So just try to leave yourself some room in everything. And um, the second one I'll leave everyone with, and I spoke on this earlier, but it's just the margin. So when you're starting a budget, A budget is meant to help you succeed in life. Now, each month you have a margin of cash. So that's your income minus your expenses. And the margin is your outcome. Now the margin to me, it represents opportunity. So that's the opportunity for you to go back to school. That's opportunity for you to pay off more debt. That's opportunity for you to travel, opportunity for you to put your children through school. That margin and what you decide to do is that that decides your future. So, I mean, always pay attention to the margin. I believe the main point of a budget essentially is to help you become successful, but you also wanna make sure you are increasing your margin. And the best way to do that is very simple. You can earn more by trying to get a raise, making more sales, finding a side hustle or a second job, or you can trim your expenses however you need to do to get that margin and make it bigger for yourself because that's where your opportunity lies. So I I just want to leave everyone with that. Pay attention to your margin and be more financially conscious with each transaction.
1: Wow. That is awesome. Andre, thank you so much for your insight. Thank you so much for your time. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it and how insightful you've been.
2: Of course not. Thank you for having me. It's been fun.
1: It's been so much fun.